Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the Broken. The Lord, he's, he's putting some of this stuff in here to where he's like, created in my image. Created in my image. They matter. They matter. They have dignity. They should have respect. They should be treated fairly. They should be treated kindly. And there's forgiveness for sins. I like that little, last little part there. You know, if, if, if this happens, the guy brings a sacrifice, sin can be covered. Sin, his sin can be covered. Salvation comes through faith in God. While the book of Leviticus is full of laws and guidelines for how to live righteously and bring sacrifices to God, those things were always secondary to faith. They were always meant to be expressions of a heart that was trusting in God to forgive sins and to guide our steps. As Pastor James will explain in today's message, God didn't lay out the laws that we find in this book with the expectation that we would be able to keep them. They point us towards our need for His intervention. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Don't insult the deaf. Don't cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. I am the Lord. Right? So show honor towards those who may have some sort of physical disability. Right? It's like just honor them. Treat them with respect, compassion. Verse 15, don't twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor. That's good. Or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. That's a good word for the United States of America, (laughs) right? Because we're on both sides. The rich, they have advantages and all that good stuff. But then there's some judges who favor the poor. And they're going to stick it to the rich person just because they're rich. But they're going to show way more grace to the poor person because they're poor. Then you have judges who are like, well, this person can help me out. So I'm going to favor them. And you could do nothing for me. So I'm going to hit you with the book. We go both ways, and God says, be balanced, be equal. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Yeah, if your neighbor needs help, you help your neighbor. You doing all right over there? Looks like you're struggling. You having a heart attack? Hey, I hope you work through it. I'll pray for you, right? You're like, what? (laughs) Go help him. House is on fire? Oh, man, rough day. Sorry about that. You know, like, no, go help, help your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Did you want your neighbor to help you? Then show up and help your neighbor, okay? Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Well, that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) Don't don't harbor bitterness or hatred in your heart towards any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. That's a fascinating little statement there. So don't harbor hatred towards family members. And if there's some business going on, deal with the business. Have a little family meeting. And that's hard because family's difficult. Because family knows you better than anybody else, typically. And sometimes these kind of conversations are hard to have with family 
especially if you're trying to have them out of a, we were just talking about this last night at our, at our home group. If you're trying to like out of compassion towards that person, confronting them because you want to follow the biblical example of Matthew chapter 18, you see your brother sinning, you want to go alongside it and like you want to, hey, we got to deal with this. Oftentimes you're met with just a, just a, not a response, but a reaction, you know, like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You know, you can't judge me. You know, all that stuff where you're like, well, if you read your Bible, um, yeah, we, we can judge each other. That's actually true. But here it's like, don't harbor, don't give place in your heart for hatred towards your family. But also deal with stuff. Don't let it, don't, don't sweep things under the rug. Deal with it directly. Confront them directly. Not out of love. Or I mean, you know, not without love. My bad. Uh, with love and truth, you confront it. If sin, is, if sin is going on, then you deal with that. Because if you turn a blind eye to it, it seems as though it's like you're going to be guilty by association. If you know something's going on that is not right, and you don't do anything about it, then aren't you just agreeing with that person in their sin? I mean, technically, that's what that's saying. So we're not supposed to be spiritual police officers beating down other people's doors with, you know, warrants, sin warrants of like, hey, you know, he doesn't need us for that. He's got the Holy Spirit who's really good at convicting us of sin. However, if we notice something that's happening within somebody's life that that could really lead to harm and it's sinful then we should say something because not saying something you're just you're that means that you're just okay with them on this path to destruction you're just okay with it so that's a hard thing especially if you you don't like confrontation which i don't at all i hate confrontation this is a difficult one right you're like uh i don't want to who's really good with that's what you got to do delegate you delegate. You're like, you like confrontation. Hey, I need you to go tell someone. No, because then you're kind of gossiping and just, just do it. Um, just do it. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So look at that beautiful little statement right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't bear a grudge. Don't seek revenge. Hey, that's a good word for, for all of us. And especially if you've ever served any time in ministry, don't seek revenge, okay? Let the Lord fight your battles. Let the Lord fight you. There will be attacks. If you serve in any capacity, you already know, people will attack you. That's just how it is. Let the Lord fight your battles. I learned that early on from Pastor Chuck Smith when I was out in Bible college, and he would say this every so often, but let the Lord fight your battles. And I knew what he was talking about because I'm like, it's Papa Chuck, man. It's Pastor Chuck. Like, he's the sweetest guy in the world. And people were coming at him all the time. And he never took up the offense. He says, you know what? And he always had this really beautiful smile on his face. The Lord, let, I'll let the Lord deal with him. Let the Lord deal with him. It's a good place to be. Because that revenge, it's, it's only going to hurt you. It'll never hurt them. It'll only ever just hurt you. You must obey all my decrees, verse 19. Do not... Oh, here's a fun one. Do not mate two different kinds of animals. <laughs> um, sorry, no ligers, okay? No tiger and lions, none of that stuff. Sorry, Napoleon Dynamite, but no ligers. Uh, this is back in the day. Now, you know, now we're 
trying to figure out how to breed different animals and plants and all that sort of stuff now for the sake of science. Back then, the Lord's like, hey, uh, just don't, don't do that, okay? Um, two different kinds of animals. Uh, that could be speaking of like, you know, when the Lord said that in Genesis chapter 1, he made animals and each of their own kind, um, he may be talking about don't go outside of their kind, so to speak, right? Like cross-mutation type stuff. Um, dogs are a type of canine. It's a kind of animal. And there's wolves that fall within that family and all that good stuff. Can you breed a wolf with your Doberman Pinscher? Well, sure. You know, I don't know if it's smart, but um, I mean, he's not talking about that. He's talking about like this kind with this other kind, right? Don't, don't, seek to, don't seek to like disrupt what he has naturally put in place, okay? Don't plant your field with two different kinds of seed. See, here's some of the things just don't really... We don't apply this today, so to speak, right? And some people who are like, especially after last week when I was talking about Leviticus 18, where it talked about homosexuality is a sin. Well, some people will say like, well, if you say that's a sin, then these are sins as well. But we're, again, we're not talking about moral things, okay? These are not moral issues. Planting two different types of seed in your field is not a moral dilemma, okay? So that's, this is like, society type stuff and, and just going into a new land and all this type of thing. It's not like these, these morality type things that are going to damage the people, the, heart, the hurt and the harm that comes along with some of these things. So you can't say like, and, and I've heard this argument so many times, and, and we're going to see some other ones, but that is like their favorite thing to do. They love to take Leviticus 18, specifically chapter uh, or Leviticus 18, verse 20, or not 20, that's, that's adultery. They, they don't like to talk about that one at all. Verse 22, because they're cool with adultery. Um, practicing homosexuality, they love to take that and say like, yeah, so if you, if you say we can't do this, then the rest of this list, especially through chapter 19, you're breaking the law. And that's not true. Okay, that's not true because we're dealing with two different types of things here. Planting different kinds of seeds within your field. When they went to Canaan, God says, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. If you happen to have open space in your property or whatever, and you want to plant this type of product or this type of plant with this type of plant, knock yourself out. You're not going to go to hell because of that, okay? That's not, God's not going to be waiting for you to stand before him and be like, all right, we need to talk about your Home Depot trip. And how you mix these seeds up in your garden. Like, he's not going to do that. Don't, so for these guys, don't mix up the seeds. Don't wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. That's another one, right? This is another, this is another silly one where they're like, what's your shirt made out of? Is it a poly blend? You're a sinner. You're like, I think if that's the conclusion you come to from reading this text, then you don't really understand what you're reading. I think you don't want to... But this is, what they, this is what people who are against the scriptures, this is what they like to use, okay? I don't even know what this shirt's made out of, but it's multiple threads, I'm sure, and I don't really care. Um, it's like, I feel no conviction of the Holy Spirit for wearing this. Um, I actually am very thankful for some of the advances in technology that gives us clothing that is actually very comfortable to wear around in South Texas, where it is blazing, okay? So yes, give me 
multi-blend fabric that wicks away the moisture so that I can stay cool, okay? I'm all for it. Um, these things, they just, they don't apply anymore. Here's the other thing, the other test of this as well. A lot of these things have no reference before the law, okay? And I talked about this last week too with, um, with homosexuality. Homosexuality was addressed pre-law in Genesis chapter 18, okay? It was already addressed and then it's addressed again in the law, and then it's addressed again in the New Testament. That's how we know, like, that matters. Mixed fabric is not before the law. It's only mentioned here, and it is never brought up again in the New Testament. And so are most of these other things, okay? So I'm going to set you free tonight, okay, from some of the guilt that some people have placed on you. But that's going to come in a second, because we got some weird stuff to go through. Um, if a man has sex with a slave, slave girl, whose freedom has never been purchased, but who is committed to become another's man's wife, he must pay full compensation to her master. But since she is not a free woman, neither the man nor the woman will be put to death. Now, we may be looking at that of like, ah, like what's going on there? Let me tell you what's going on there that you're probably going to miss. It's the compassion the Lord has for the slaves in this story. Because she has, no, she, has, she has no father figure. She's owned by somebody else. And, and so she gets together with this guy that she probably actually wanted to be with instead of the guy that she's betrothed to. And so there's a relationship that happens there. Well, under normal circumstances, those individuals, their lives would be put at... I mean, we're going to read through it here in a second, but there was a chance they could be killed. But here God steps in and he comes to the defense of the one who has no one to defend him, and that's a slave. And God steps in and says, do not kill them. Do not kill them. So that's, there's a really beautiful thing there that the Lord puts in there, okay? It says, verse 21, the man, however, must bring a ram as a guilt offering and present it to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then purify him before the Lord with the ram of the guilt offering, and the man's sin will be forgiven, Okay? And it'll be covered. It'll be forgiven. This is, again, something that they had to put into place because they're going to be going into the land. And they just came out. And just as another reminder, they came out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And so they've been rescued. They've been freed from that. And, and I know a lot of people have issues with this as well. But the Bible does not, like, put a stamp of approval upon slavery, okay? Because I know some people teach that. And it's just really weird that they get to that conclusion. Um, that not by no means at all is that, in, in, in fact, the Bible is, is pretty clear on God's compassion towards those who are enslaved. And slavery still happens today, by the way. I know it was a major problem for our country, and it was a stain upon our history for sure. But to think that it all went away is, is just untrue. It, slavery is still, it just is probably as big today as it was, as it ever has been. But we just don't recognize it. We don't talk about it. Sex slave industry, huge massive, but we don't talk about it. The news media, they certainly don't want to report on it, probably because they got their hands in the, in the pockets of those people. Because it's a billion-dollar industry. But there are people who are owned by others and forced to do work that they don't want to do, taken from their families, abused. It's slavery. It's slavery. And it's sad. And the Lord has compassion for those people. 
He has, and for whoever they may be, he has compassion for them. Some people that, you know, end up working in not even the sex trade industry, but there are, you know, slaves, like labor slaves as well. I mean, it's, it's still a major problem. But God cares. Man, he absolutely cares. And he, he, he cares, number one, how the church helps out in those scenarios and treats people. And, and how we, you know, if there's a way for us to be active within that field, then we want to be active within that field. One guy that I really appreciate who does this, I think, really well is Victor Marks. He's very proactive in that whole, especially the select sex slave industry. And it's something I think more Christians should be involved in because we need to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. We celebrate Roe Ro versus Wade being overturned because that's fighting for unborn babies. They are actually babies. They're human beings within their mama's womb. We celebrate because we fought for them because they couldn't fight for themselves. But we still need to fight for others who can't fight for themselves. And there's so many different fronts you know, within this battle and the Lord, he's, he's putting some of this stuff in here to where he's like, created in my image, created in my image. They matter. They matter. They have dignity. They should have respect. They should be treated fairly. They should be treated kindly. And there's forgiveness for sins. I like that little, last little part there. You know, if, if, if this happens, the guy brings a sacrifice, sin can be covered. Sin, his sin can be covered. Verse 23, when you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years, considering it forbidden. No, no, no more forbidden fruit. That got us in trouble in Genesis. Uh, we're like, ah, do not eat it. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. You're like, what? Five years I got to wait? Why? There's some science stuff behind that. Um, they say some trees that are fruit-bearing trees, uh, you should never eat the fruit off of them within the first, the first harvest, um, that you should actually wait sometimes up to like three years before you partake of the fruit. I don't know why. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not a farmer. I don't know. I just remember reading something about that. And here the Lord is saying, kind of what, he, what it seems as though he's saying is like, the people who occupied that land for 480 years and totally defiled that land, it's almost like a purging of that land. He's like, don't eat that fruit. He's like, let's, let's, let's filter this stuff out. And it's going to take time, yes, but it'll be worth it. Okay? And these are trees that they plant too. If you plant fruit trees, just, number one, give them the time that they need because there's probably a scientific reason behind that. But also let's, you know, you can eat of the fruit, but I also like the fact that you can eat of the fruit after you've dedicated a harvest to the Lord, right? So it's kind of cool, like give him his portion first and then you can then enjoy the, the bounty of the land. Trust the Lord. And that is the, the element there of like, he's like, I know this seems like a crazy rule, but are you going to trust me? Do you trust me? We have every reason to trust him. Okay, moving on. Uh, verse 26. Do not eat meat that has not been drained of its blood. All right? So if it's dripping with blood, he's saying, don't eat it. Why? Because life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Honor the blood. Okay? 
Do not practice fortune telling or witchcraft. You're like, oh, oh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, number one, because you can't tell fortunes. Um, because if you claim that you can, then you're probably a scam artist. Uh, no offense to anybody, but you probably saw that coming if you're a true fortune teller, right? So you would have already turned me off if you're watching the live stream because you're like, he's about to insult me. Um, just kidding. Uh, witchcrafts. Um, Again, these are things that were practiced in the land that they're about to go into. They, these are things that were practiced in Egypt, and they're also things that were practiced by the Canaanites that they're about to go into. And God's like, don't have any part of it. Don't have any part of it, okay? Just what? Like, worship me. Witchcraft. And that's, there's different ideas on that, exactly what we're talking about. Um, oftentimes, what can be a part of witchcraft and what we know from, like, Wiccans is, like, earth worship type stuff. So that could be a part of this witchcraft. And God's saying, don't worship creation, worship the creator, right? Enjoy creation, but worship the creator. The problem with a lot of witchcraft practices, and especially, and I know Wiccans and witchcraft, they would say, they would tell me, we're not the same group, and I get it, I understand, but you kind of are. Um, but their practices are, I mean, it's, it's about Mother Earth, and, and I, look, I love Earth. I got no problem with nature, but I don't worship nature. I appreciate it, but I don't worship it. It doesn't, it, it, it didn't do anything that, for my salvation. So, I mean, I'll enjoy it, and I'll enjoy everything that it produces to a certain extent, what is lawful and legal and safe, but I'm not going to, we, we, don't, we don't devote our all to what was created. We devote our all to what, created everything. Don't trim off the hairs of your temples or trim your beards. I've been in Israel and I see some dudes walking around and they don't, you know, they don't trim their, uh, uh, their little sideburns there. Um, it's it's kind of cool. Uh, but don't, do not trim off the hair of your temples um, and, and don't trim your beards. Why? Does this, well, you know, if that's it, look, it's not a sin if you trim your facial hair. And it's not a sin if you trim your sideburns, okay? You're okay. Do not cut, cut your bodies for the dead. Oh, no, here's one. Um, I can't read this next one. No, I can. Um, and do not mark your skin with tattoos. Let me cover my arms up. I am the Lord. Right? This is like the key verse. If you, you probably, I, I, my goodness, I, have, I only have two. But these were an issue for some people. And they would quote this verse to me. And then I have to educate them on what the verse is talking about and that it's not actually talking about these tattoos, okay? Tattoos are fine. Tattoos are fine. Tattoos are not sinful, okay? The tattoos, number one, the cutting of your flesh for the dead, that's something that the pagans did, okay? Now, it was ritualistic, okay? So you should never cut yourself for somebody else. Okay, don't do that. That's, and these are deep wounds that they would cut. So there's, there's, also, there's, a, there's a worship element of that where God is saying, don't, I don't want you to worship me like that because that's how they worship their false gods. There's also a practical element behind it too of like medically speaking, he's like, don't gash yourself because that could get infected and cause you serious harm as well. There's a lot of practical elements to some of these things that we sometimes don't think about. But don't cut yourself you know, out of devotion for that one person as a ritualistic practice. He's like, I don't, I don't want you to do that. 
been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.